0: Chinese people have a saying, when people get cancer, they die. My name is Matthew Kroll.
1: And that's the difference between East and West. My name is Shahir Dow, And
0: this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film The
1: Farewell. Ooh, I'm glad we got to pick up on this one. I'm really glad we got to actually get to this. It was, all, it was touch and go for a minute. It was touch and or go. So I'm not sure on the release uh, schedule where this is going to come out. This film is playing in a limited release right now, but hopefully by the time this episode drops, it's gone a little bit wider, which means you've had a chance to see it, yes, uh, which I would be very excited to hear because it's a it's one of those it's a movie that got a lot of praise at Sundance yep. um, from director Lulu Wang, and it's based on a podcast. Uh, oh, episode, yeah, 2016. Yeah, podcast episode that you wrote. Uh, so I'm very curious. I guess we could talk a little bit. Was that This American Life? Yeah, This American yeah, Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm very curious to talk about that transition from podcasting to movies. Uh, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? Yeah, you took the words, you rewrote them, you rearranged them, and you filmed a bunch of no, scenes. You got we know there.
0: how you did it. You were very, very talented. Yeah, That's well, um, that switches more than I can say for us. Well, yeah, we're not talking about
1: us. Oh, except I am because oh, we got no. a review on iTunes this week. And I want to read it out because somebody thinks we're cool (laughs) and I want to (laughs) just celebrate, you know? Thank you, person who
0: thinks we're cool. We seek your
1: validation continuously. ED549 says, who gives us five stars on the iTunes. It's always a pleasure to tune in and listen to about movies I might have not otherwise get to watch and get a different perspective on movies that I have. It's always a delight to my week and uh, to be able to expand my opinion on a movie with perspectives that are shared.
0: Oh, that's very nice. I feel a little guilty with us reading our
1: reviews oh. on. The, uh, I, I feel no guilt whatsoever. I'm, 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 I'm slathering myself up in the butter of the internet, and fair, walking around that's glistening. Weird. That's weird. To be in fair. the in the glow glow of the love that people are sharing onto my body. Okay.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, in fairness, when we do get uh, the occasional negative, we do talk about it.
1: Oh yeah, and then I like, and then I get all angry and I rip my shirt off Hulk style and like rage against the internet. So right now you're ripping your shirt off,
0: sexy. It's just, you'd rage.
1: Pretty much, I've always got my shirt off, okay, and in fair, both scenarios, fair. it's not good. All right.
0: Well, you know, that. You know it is what it is. Uh, but thank you very much for that review. If you'd like to leave one yourself, uh, one or five stars, there's no in-between. No, I'm kidding. Do whatever you like. We just like the five. Uh, you can do that on iTunes. That would be greatly appreciated. We also have some emails, Ooh,
1: okay. What do we got?
0: Okay. This is from Steven. He says, hi, guys. Ever since uh, your Gift of Movies episode, I've been thinking what would be something that both of you might not have seen, but you would find interesting? I saw a YouTuber making the case for *Lady Hawk* from 1985 being the best movie you never saw. With the passing of Rutger Hauer, however, I thought it might be appropriate to mention it and see if it was something you had seen and if it would be a good, quote, gift for... With aspects that I think you both would appreciate. Thanks so much. I have
1: seen Lady Hawk. So Lady I Hulk, have not. You've never seen Lady Hawk? No. Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer, um, uh, uh, not Ferris Bueller, Matthew Broderick, and, and Rucker Howard. So Stephen, now you see my pain. <laughs> if
0: for those of you who are not familiar with the episode that Stephen is referencing, Shahir had this idea for our birthdays to do a thing about the gift of movies and to show films that the other person had. We thought the other person hadn't seen and give them to them, <laughs> and then we review them, etc. And, and, and it's a it's a shi- shitty task I assign. I I was stressed to all hell because uh, spoiler alert, Shaheer's seen more movies than me, and I know that's insane because I've seen a lot of movies. <laughs> um, so, uh, sadly, uh, it does not meet the criteria, Stephen. I will check it out though. You uh, should. So,
1: uh, I um, I saw Lady Hawk. Um, it used to play on TV a lot in New Zealand, and I would have it, but ba- you know, because I would tape movies off VHS, uh, you know, onto a VHS sure, tape, sure, sure, and then sure. uh, and then have a collection. And uh, uh, Lady Hawk sat right. In between my collection. Uh, it, it was with these three other movies. It was with Conan the Barbarian. Okay. Uh, Krull and Willow. The, Is Krull
0: the Kevin Sorbo one?
1: No, no, no. It's an earlier. I think Krull the Kevin Sorbo one might have been a remake of this original one. Okay. Uh, Kr- Krull was very much like Conan Light. Um, so was yeah, um, the other you know, and, and these were kind of like um, l- 80s movies that were sort of medieval in nature and kind of had like a little bit of a heavy metal aesthetic, you know, like sort of okay. a, a sort of a, you know, everything was shiny and heavy metal and ripped and I don't know. There was something cool about it. Lady Hawk is is um, Lady Hawk an interesting one. I, I don't remember a lot about the movie other than the you know the 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 premise, which is that there is a uh, a man who uh, two lovers, one who who is a wolf during the day and a woman who's a hawk during the night. I like it. Uh, or something like that. So they can never be together or something like that. And oh, that's cursed. sad. I don't like and, that. And uh, Matthew Broderick is kind of brought in between them and he has to like break the curse as far as I remember. It's been a while since I saw it. But yes, uh, Stephen is referencing the fact that Rucka passed away like tears in the rain this week. Yeah, uh, very sad to to hear about uh, Mr. Rucka Howe. Uh, I gotta admit though, uh, as far as Rucka goes, I guess my, you know, obviously Blade Runner is the one. That that's everyone, my big reference. That's but you bl- see him in a ton of stuff. Oh, I mean, you know, like during the late 80s, uh, you know, he was in everything. Um again Blade Runner is really the one that I kind of knew a lot about. Nighthawks, uh yeah, Lady Hawk. Uh, you know, he made a he, he made a like a late career resurgence in Christopher Nolan movies. He was in um, uh, the Dark Knight. Oh, yeah, I think I think it was in Batman Begins. So uh, I'm not sure I'm like the uh, you know the person to really really talk about Rucka Hauer, but it is very you know like obviously such an iconic performance in that particular role in Blade Runner, and famously that uh, everything fades away like tears in the rain was a improvised speech, um, which is what he's kind of famous for. So uh, R I P Rucka Um Lady Hawk. I don't know if we're going to get to do it. I don't. I don't I mean know we might
0: not do it on the show, but I'll watch I, it. I, I honestly,
1: I think you would dig it. Yeah. I think. I think you would totally. I mean, did you like Willow Crawl, Current sure, sure, sure. yeah, Barbarian? Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. that kind of you know period of like. I, I think you would totally dig Lady Hawk. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in a kind of great young performance as well.
0: Uh, yeah. And and pardon me, but I keep thinking of the Patty Klein song, uh, Lady Lady Bump. Uh, oh, Lady that, Bump. That, yeah, uh, yeah, Thane, our good friend Thane at MTV, showed us on the EMAs uh, yeah, years yeah, yeah. ago. Uh, the- if you haven't heard that song, look it up. <laughs> Uh, And
1: also, and also, there's a great New Zealand artist by the name of Lady Hawk, which you should check out as well. Uh, One more email coming in from Jacob, uh, whose uh, podcast we were on a couple of weeks ago, Movie Emotion Podcast, M O V I Emotion, uh, where I believe we were talking about Midsummer and camping and being friends and going to New Zealand. I don't know. It was a lot of it was a lot of of stuff. There was a lot of mushrooms being taken during that episode. Uh, Jacob writes in about our "I Am Mother" review. I was a bit surprised to hear both of you gushing about the film. I definitely agree that it, that it has interesting philosophical ideas that were expressed, but I don't think they were explored all that actively. I thought you the two films that you guys mentioned during your discussion, Moon and Tin Cloverfield Lane, were particularly apt for understanding more about Than I Am Mother. Um, I will... I Look, I'm not going to disagree <laughs> that... Uh, I'm not going to disagree that Moon Wait, could or you t- repeat? Could you repeat? Yeah. Your-
0: thank you, thank you. I, I feel it the
1: like first. I'm a Futurama character today. Um, I'm not going to disagree that Moon and Tin Cloverfield Lanes are excellent films with interesting philosophical ideas that it does play with, but I also think... I am mother is as well, and we had this sort of interesting, con- interesting, interesting conversation <laughs> about uh, movie perfections. And I really think this is a I am mother is a tight, perfect little movie. Um, it reminded you know, the the other movie that I don't think I mentioned during that episode was Ex Machina. I kind of felt it oh, fell into the yeah. sort of same category of like a, a a chamber piece about artificial intelligence and humanity and all that sort of jazz. Um, I'm I'm gonna hold steadfast to my opinion of that movie, which is I think it's excellent, um, and I, I think a severely underseen film that everyone should go and see.
0: Yeah, Jacob, you yeah. can't shake us with pleasant and wonderful guest spots on your podcast <laughs> and being super nice and cool. We're gonna stand our ground. Yeah, you you can't change our no. Uh, I I I mean, look, I I sort of stand still with my opinions from the review as well. I loved it. Um, the only thing I I always try to find if someone like really is is animately disagreeing with something that I'm thinking, uh, other than Shahir, <laughs> uh I try to really sort of figure out the why and like maybe there's something that I missed. And here's Wait, the...
1: You don't do that for me. Uh, not, you don't not listen. Professionally. <laughs> you don't listen to no, anything no, I say. No, 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 no. I
0: listen. I just don't try. Just ignore. You, every, you, we've done uh, like two hundred and some of these. You must <laughs> have gotten that by now. No, uh, Jacob. The one thing I can think of, honestly, maybe, uh, is the fact that. Uh, to be honest, when I watched it, I did have pretty low expectations for when it comes to, like, independent sci-fi Netflix films. Not that this is an independent film, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, I wasn't expecting much. And then when it did blow me away, I mean, maybe that raised it higher for me. But I do think even in a void... Uh, where, you know, in the impossible void where, where uh, you know, expectation did not exist, I would still be singing that movie's praises. So, um, but
1: yeah. I Jacob actually wrote us a slightly longer email, which I won't read, but it basically, because it goes into a little bit of a spoiler territory, but it was a really well thought out email about why uh, he, he had some sort of qualms about I Am Mother. But here's what I will say. Uh, if you're a listener and you haven't seen I Am Mother, please go and watch it out uh, on Netflix, which we presume you already have. It's very easy to access. And I think it's really worth your time. If you disagree, please email us in at only podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod to tell us why we're absolutely 100% correct or incorrect about I Am Mother. But
0: I, now, mm. we're going to say farewell to emails. Ooh, I like what you did there. And hello to the farewell.
1: I don't know what you did there. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, man. I uh, I, I I had seen the trailer. I forget in front of which film for okay. this. um, And it instantly... Got me interested. Of course,
1: it's a beautiful uh, trailer. I watched the trailer after the movie, and I was like, That's the t- this, this trailer is catnip for me. Yeah. this is this is exactly the kind of movie I will pay money to go see based on the trailer. Um, you know, I didn't go <laughs> see the tra- I didn't watch the trailer because I just heard great things about sure. it at uh, Sundance. Sundance. Um, and uh, we both uh, uh, actually, I'm I'm not certain. You know, I mentioned before that I think I'd worked with Aquafina. Uh, I think I've edited work by Aquafina. I see. Um, I I can't recall if if I, I have met her, it would be a very long time ago, and it would be very brief. I mean, I worked with, but her you but you know her, right? I mean,
0: I yes and no. Right. I mean, I mean, who who knows if if I mean, of course she remembers me. Yeah. Uh, we worked together on uh, Girl Code mm-hmm. and Guy Code versus Girl Code, which is what I would have worked on at the same time. But I don't think I yeah, can no, no. But I was I was you know producing her on sets a couple times, and uh, she's always been a delight. I'm so ecstatic to see uh, her career go. I've talked about this in Ocean's Eight and I believe Crazy Rich Asians. Um, the uh, and also
1: joining the MCU.
0: Yeah, and also joining the MCU, uh, yeah, yeah. which is very, very cool. A lot of, a lot of that news, which we can get into later. Pretty but... much everyone is joining the MCU at this point. Yeah, right?
1: like everyone, everybody.
0: everyone, get in here. <laughs> yeah. um, the. Here, uh, I I will say this, and I forget if I've told this anecdote before, but um, two friends of mine, one of which who's been on the show, Chelsea White, and also Court Dunn, who is a a film director himself, uh, Court directed uh, the first four, I believe, of Aquafina's music videos, Ah, and and Chelsea um, uh, was a producer on Girl Code as well. Um, And uh, not once, but twice, Mm. I would get texts from, because I guess I didn't know that uh, Aquafina knew both of them. Okay. And so I would get texts from each of them saying that they were hanging out with Aquafina and that I should come out. I got this twice and I got weirded out because I didn't know Court and Chelsea knew each other and I had no idea what was going on. But I, in, on two separate occasions at 3 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> I get texts of, of Court, Aquafina, and Chelsea like in some, you know, friggin' bar uh, in, in Brooklyn at 3 a.m. looking like they're having a blast. <laughs> I'd be like, come out. And I'm like, I'm tired.
1: <laughs> that, that's exactly my response. Anytime anyone asks me to come out at five o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, so Aquafina, if you're listening to this,
0: mm-hmm. I'm terribly sorry yeah, that you I missed never, out, bud. I mean, like I, I, I feel like I do that quite a bit. Uh, I, I've, I've slowly become a homebody, and that's no good for anyone. <laughs> that's, um, that's my life. But uh, I'm very the, the the. Needless to say, I'm really I. I'm really psyched that uh, her career has gone in the direction it has because she is a fucking hard worker and she's good at her craft. And uh, yeah, and this movie, I in a weird way, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm glad about all the uh, comedic success that she's had, of course, yeah. uh, the, the films and SNL and being um, the second Asian-American uh, or Asian woman to be the host of Saturday Night Live. Um, this film, I feel like, is like, for me... The pinnacle of all work that I've seen her in. Okay. Uh, I, I think she did such a fucking good job. Okay. Because uh, I knew she had comedy chops. That was never a question. Uh, and I never, it, it, her comedy chops were so good, I never, like, stopped to think about her, uh, if she you know what what her dramatic range would be
1: right um i remember re- i think uh i think it might be judd apatow who might have said this was somebody else you know every uh, every co- comedy director no you know who it was the creator of a uh, uh, of breaking bad vince gilligan uh, he said it is he said comedians always have the talent to become dramatic actors, dramatic actors may or may not have the skill level to become a comedian. He says it never work. He says he's never seen it go that way. He's always seen comedians are always able to go, uh, always able to step in dramatic into dramatic acting.
0: I think the only uh, you know uh, exception to that rule about uh, uh, drama going to comedy would be Tom Cruise,
1: because. Uh,
0: Les Grossman mm. was fucking funny. yeah,
1: I think I think his point was is that it's possible, but he said, but yeah, he, unless he, like, you're Tom Cruise, yeah, it's possible, but comedians can always do dramatic parts. Um, yeah, I mean that's yeah. possible. yeah, yeah, that's possible. but but uh, but stepping aside from the Aquafina factor for a second, um <laughs> this film is about, uh, uh, a, a grandmother who has been diagnosed with terminal cancer and whose family decides not to not to inform her of that decision, which apparently is a common uh, a common approach in mainland China. And I had no idea about that. Uh, um, my, I'm I'm curious though. Uh, you know, and a part of the marketing that uh, A24 did with this film was to get people to text in about their nannies, their nannies, uh, and uh, in, in Indian culture it's the nannies uh, or right. the daddies. Uh, I'm curious, Matt. Your grandmother? Do you want to tell? Do you want to? Do, should we share some grandma stories, some Grammy stories? Uh, do you, do are you close with your grandmas? Yeah, know them? So, so, nice stories. So no, nice I, I stories? probably you're, sh- you're hesitating in a way that makes me uncomfortable that I asked the question.
0: Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I should have actually prefaced this before we went on the air. Yeah. Um, so I am close with my grandmother. <laughs> um, my, well, my on my mother's side, my father's side died when I was very young, but I was okay. close with her before. Yeah. But I was like eight or nine. Okay. Um, my nana is what I I yeah. call her. Yeah. Uh, uh, Catherine or Kay, yeah. Um, she is a wonderful woman who is, I believe, 92 years old. Wow. Uh, sadly, however, uh, literally, (laughs) uh, three days before I saw this film, uh, she was admitted to hospice. Oh, I'm Uh, I'm really sorry. No, 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 no. And I should have, I should have thought of it before we even, because I was thinking about it literally since I've seen the movie, yeah. Um, Uh, so there, you know, it brings up interesting, like, so uh, putting aside my emotional Mm -hmm. burden I've just laid at your feet, um, it has gotten me uh, a comfort from this film that it's given me is from an intellectual perspective, giving me the idea of like, what I think is better. Like, you know, if someone is terminal... Oh, okay. letting in terms them of the decision. know, yeah. yeah, or 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 letting them sort of
1: continue on. So I, that, I was just meaning like what are the, what are the oh, pleasant memories you have of your Grammy? You know, like your Nana Nana.
0: Oh, I mean, I mean, there's there's yeah. a ton, I mean, so they used to uh, live on a farm uh, yeah. in St Johnsville, New York, which is a beautiful uh, d- tiny tiny postcard of a or postcard post post it note <laughs> yeah. uh, town farming town in uh, in New York. Um, and yeah, I mean. I, I, I when i was younger i would hang out with her almost uh, exclusively while i was there my grandfather's very cool but he's uh he's an older school very um How do I put it? Like almost like it, like a combination. Like I I won't say warrior poet. If there's the the what I not warrior, but like the hard ass farmer poet, uh, which I don't really relate to that much.
1: I'm trying to imagine like Jack Kerouac ripped in a in a sort of yeah yeah Matthew Kroll type figure.
0: Uh, But but (laughs) Nana was always the one that was down for like uh, a ton of fun and uh, (laughs) down for whatever dumb stupid idea I had. I used to make like haunted houses in the barn or shoot movies in the barn. Yeah. And they would help me, and they we'd go get props and we'd do all that stuff uh so she she was very formulative in my um uh in my honestly my <laughs> my moving forward towards filmmaking eventually television eventually you know now right. YouTube and this and all that jazz um and uh you know had helped me um tremendously both in that aspect of just doing that when I was young but also um in a really sweet way of um. What's the word I'm looking for? just being um, incredibly supportive when I was not the easiest child <laughs> to relate to.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about you? You? Yeah, I, I have a similar story about my nani, which is my uh, grandmother on my mother's side. Which is that my, my daddy, which is my grand. So uh, you, in in Hindi, you you call your your. Uh, uh, paternal grandmother your daddy and your dada which is the the, the father and then your uh, maternal grandmother is is your nanny and your nana uh, and my nanny um came to stay with us when I was like quite young but also in that really dickish stage of like you know just about going through puberty really annoying um you know not not far removed from what I am now but I'm just saying you know the, you're the, a lot taller the early stages of that phase and and the tricky thing was, was that I was the youngest kid, and she and she, she had to stay in my room. You know, for like a oh, month. Oh, you and got ousted. Yeah, yeah. A month and a half or I think it was a month or maybe something like that. And I was I just remember being a real shit. You know, like yeah. being a real dick. And and she was super cool and like really nice and like, you know, looked after me while mom and dad would go out and that kind of thing. And, you know, like it was just it was just cool. Um she had all the the quality she she's passed away. Both my um, I think all my yeah, all my all my grandparents have passed away. Yeah. Um uh, you know, the she was just really she had the sort of gentleness and the, the sort of air of, of, of happiness that, you know, like she would smile. I, I The thing I remember about her the most is the smile, you know, like she would light up the room kind yeah. of thing. You know, and she was just really lovely. Um, and the, the thing I was, I was thinking about now is now that I'm a parent is seeing my mother and my mother-in-law turn into grandparents. Um and that's been really delightful to watch because they're basic you know, they, they they what you realize is they get to relive that period of their life where they were looking after a child, but they yeah. do it without the the pressure, without pres- the constant pressure. Yeah, yeah without the constant pressure, <laughs> they they can hand it back, you know, hand them back at any moment. And so I I've just been thinking about you know the fact that my mother and my mother-in-law have now transitioned into grandparents, uh, and and just seeing like how much my son loves them and how much like they're willing to do anything for him and you know like it's it's all about it's all about food and like playtime and laughing and joking and giggling and you know and 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 he's completely at ease like I think I, I one thing I will say um, which I think happened with my mother is that he was my son was so responsive to my mother in terms of learning how to speak. Like, she would just talk to him all the time. Sure. And he just started to... He would talk to her, like, uh, constantly. Uh, You know, before... I think he said his first word before he was one, and it was flower, because he was talking to her. So he didn't say mama or dada. He said (laughs) flower because of, you know, because of something she was saying to him. So I just think, you know, grandmothers um, have that quality, which is that they are your number one... They're, they're the the most love you will get in life is from a grandparent. You I, know, mean, it's from I a grandmother.
0: If, if everything's working out mm. the, the the way it should, mm. yeah. I agree.
1: Yeah, um, of course. You know, it doesn't work out all the time. But, yeah. yeah, of course. Uh, and and I think you know this this film is a uh, you know like among many things, is a tribute to the fact that your grandparent, and particularly in this case, your grandmother, is just this, like, figure in your life that is always there for you, that always cares about you, that always wants to know what you're doing, that always is willing to, like, drop everything and, like, you know, cook for you, do your laundry, do, you know, like, do whatever it needs. It's all that, like, goofy stuff. No matter how much of a shit you get to be, as I was, your grandma's always there for you. And I think that was, like, this really touching moment in this film was like realizing that that this was sort of on one level just a kind of love leader to those people that raise our lives that aren't our parents
0: sure uh another another aspect of this movie and this is the uh, the most minor of spoilers this is nothing that anyone would this is a a statement about grand 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 people in general (laughs) um is the what something i really liked about uh it was about maybe two-thirds or three-fourths of the movie and it's um when uh The grandmother is talking to some of her old friends, yeah, and they're talking about the war and how she took a bullet and like all of this stuff. She had she had a whole life, like, but that's that's the craziest part. I know it's a dumb thing to say, but that's the craziest part for me about grandparents in general. Because when you're growing up, you kind of lock yourself (laughs) in, like, oh, Nana and Baba. They're like this. They live on a farm. You, you can't imagine them being your age. Even being... even when you get to the point when you can see that your parents are human beings. Yeah, there's something uh, ethereal about about how your grandparents function. And I remember when I was finally like, you know, mid twenties and not a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I wasn't a dick. I was you know, selfish. I was young. <laughs> you you um, heard me si- like
1: did silence on the side yeah. crickets. Not a dick? What, yeah. what it, when did that happen?
0: <laughs> uh, well, that eventually became. Um, but I remember like sitting down with my grandparents and like talking about their life. Yeah. And like it's fascinating shit. Like I, I, my, my my grandfather worked on um, the literal the Star Wars satellite missile defense system back when computers had punch cards and literal moths would get in the tubes. Right, right. Um. My grandmother was a nurse uh, through, uh, in, uh, I think in like six cities, like all over the place because they moved around a ton and she'd follow my grandfather and then she'd just get, she'd like basically would rise through the ranks at hospitals and like lead wards and yeah. then they'd have to move and she'd have to start again. Yeah. Um. And she was always very helpful in like helping the people, but like just the idea that like, yeah, they were my age at one point and you're like, <laughs> that's w- like... It's the simplest concept to grasp, but right. I feel like it's something that because we don't think about it a lot, it gets lost. And I loved that there was even just a small moment in this film that was like, oh, yeah, not only is Billy, Aquafida's character, and the family going through all of this stuff, this debate... But this is a woman who's lived a life.
1: Yeah, I know. She was like a resistance fighter at some point, a revolutionary fighter at some point. Um, So that was really nice to see. Um, Yeah, and and, and obviously in Eastern culture, uh, the relationship between the grandparents is slightly different um, in that, uh, you know, essentially the – it's not the – we talked about this previously, but it's not the expectation, but there's a sort of an inbuilt kind of uh, inherent – way in which the, the, the order of life goes which is that you will look you know children will look after their parents at some point and usually in a how in like an Indian household in particular um, you might you know the grandparents might live uh, in the in the household and it's not uncommon and it's not weird it's just kind of part of the, yeah. the fabric of life and I think okay so you know the, stepping aside from the grandma factor at this point um, I think there was an interesting thing about you know watching this film which is that ultimately I kind of I did as I was watching it, It is a very quiet film. It's a very quiet and sort of slyly observational film where not a lot actually happens in terms of, like, surface-level plot mechanics, you know? And in terms of also, like turns that happen beyond the initial choice that needs to be made about whether we should tell or not tell, um, you know, about, tell uh, our grandparent about with this illness. And, and it's, 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 it's basically takes the, the podcast story, which was, uh, again, you can go back to this American life, 2016 to find that episode, um, and, and just expands it out kind of neatly and gently. And at first I thought that, that, um, was somewhat of a, um, uh, a sense of hesitation about exploring the story to a further extent, you know, like, but, you know, basically like not taking the story to the next stage, so to speak. But there's a final moment in this film where you realize why that was the case. And I don't want to, I don't want to say what that is until we get into spoilers. Yeah. Um, but, but the, I think the thing that was really slyly, uh, at least for me, woven into the story that wasn't quite apparent in the original podcast and was the thing that Lulu Wang was kind of like touching on was. The difficulty with which children who are either first generation or second generation in a, in a foreign country relate to their to their country of origin, and and yeah. and you know and 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 that played such an enormous part of this film because in the film you see Billy kind of like going back to to, to her hometown that she ultimately feels that she was. Deprived of in some way in in her youth. I believe it's uh, Changchun, Changchun, China. Yeah, in China, and and she feels that she was kind of deprived of that. And I was listening to an interview with Aquafina and uh, Rami from uh, HBO's uh, the A Twenty Four show, Rami, and they were talking about the fact that you know Aquafina is uh, herself an only child, and that sense that when she was taken away, uh, although she's a first generation here, but in the film the character is seems to be an only child as well. She has no siblings, and she talks about how like. She missed out on the opportunity to be around family uh, by being taken away from from her grandmother and taken away from China and also like not seeing that her grandfather had passed away they didn't she didn't really know or understand why that was in the in this film and I thought that was a really slyly beautiful little observation and and it's done with such a sort of um, a confidence of storytelling where she doesn't need to extrapolate it out into big dramatic scenes. She doesn't need to make this uh, a sort of uh, you know like have any big climax to the film where where choices are being made or right, people right, are right. yelling at each other. It's just kind of like slyly observed. And I will say the the uh, I, I felt while I was watching that it was slight, but I was also feeling my, feeling myself well up whenever. You know the moments, the, the the moments in the film were clearly just t- gently tugging at that idea that your your you know your grandmother is this person that whom you love deeply and dearly, and how you do want to do the best by them, but you're conflicted about whether they will you know whether that is the right thing, and more importantly, where is your place in the world, you know, and and how deeply um, affecting it can be to think about where your place in the world is. You know, I'm a first-generation American now, um, and, and I kind of think about, you know, like, all these places I come from and what's my relationship to those places and how do I feel about them now that I'm no longer there? Yeah. And I think that was such a key, beautifully observed moment, uh, like, beautifully observed undercurrent to this film. That's again it's not it's not played for That's big moment. I would, yeah. yeah, I would and, definitely and, call it an undercurrent. Yeah. And I and I think that was that was what I kind of walked away from. That was that I was sort of quite surprised with how confidently that was played because it's not she doesn't feel the need to kind of make it a big moment or make that feel like a big moment. And I and I and I think it really worked for me in that respect.
0: Well I think that the uh, um what this film does is what I think all really strong films strive to do or should Um, and that is um, and this this sounds weird I don't mean it to be derogatory at all but like pick a lane stay in it and know what you're doing like this movie knows that it's not going to be you know fast paced or like high like explosive drama that sets it up to be like this real world thing where the entirety of the the tension that is being built is for me anyway was whether or not Billy would be able to keep her mouth shut about this because she loves her grandmother so much and is conflicted on whether or not this is the right thing to do. Um, And the moments are not large until maybe the end at the wedding, if you consider that sort of like, because that's kind of as big as this movie gets. Yeah. Um, And and this movie, maybe I'm going to reword what I said because I think it sounds a little bad. Uh, This movie knew exactly what it was and it knew exactly what emotional through lines of almost... I would say all people's lives, it wanted them to relate with. And it was able to craft those moments uh, in incredibly effective ways. Uh, I think, side note, we haven't done it yet. I should read the IMDB (laughs) thing just so we're clear on what's going on. A Chinese family discovers their grandmother has only a short while left to live and decide to keep her in the dark, scheduling a wedding to gather before she dies. So that's one of the general conceits of this entire film. Is they're not telling her, yeah. but the family wants to see her, so they fake a wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, uh, I guess Billy's cousin yeah. in this film, so uh, is is basically being forced to marry uh, a girl from Japan because yeah.
1: uh, they live in Japan now. That side yeah. of the family, yeah,
0: and. They have to literally do and The grandmother's like helping with the wedding. Yeah, yeah. It gives, at- you,
1: it gives us something to do. And, and you know, that, that's the thing that the idea is that if you weigh down someone with the idea that you're going to die, they then their mindset becomes about death. Whereas if you don't, if you ignore it, their mindset is about life. And I think it's—I don't know if it always works that way, but I think it's a beautiful kind of scene. It always
0: depends on how functional you are when right. you find out what is
1: wrong, right? Like, if you have leprosy and someone tells you you're fine, you might—that might not work out. Yeah,
0: right? uh, <laughs> I mean, cancer is a fucking hell of a disease, uh, and it affects—I mean, there's so many different kinds, and it affects everybody differently. Uh, my mother's a cancer survivor. Um, th- th- there are there are times like in this film where like. People can have it still be functional even though they're terminal. Right. <laughs> uh and I mean I, I found myself more on the eastern side of the philosophy in this particular situation, uh, while watching the film. I think um I I, I, I always go back to the the idea of of um why wait, wait, if you've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Why do you then tell the person that you did something wrong? And depending on what the situation is, like, say, if you've wronged somebody, right? uh, but the truth will hurt that person even more than what you did. Yeah. The 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 philosophical, you know, what's the what's the best moral thing you can do? Do you you know hold that in so you're carrying the guilt, right? Uh, and the other person moves on with their life, you know, as if nothing had happened. So you're sort of carrying the burden for the thing you did wrong. Yeah. Or when you tell somebody. You know, you are being honest and telling someone the truth, but in a way, you are alleviating yourself of guilt. Right. Uh, and and I always find that that conundrum right very interesting. And this has took it to a whole sort of side level where, in this case, I agree with the family. Uh, and I liked watching, I liked watching Billy's character come to. Terms and never sort of like be fully okay with it. But again, it also highlighted kind of exactly what you just said about the undercurrent of sort of like the place where your family is from and the country that you currently reside in. She was always kind of of two minds of it. She never like. Yeah. She she argued with it in a way a child argues with their parents when she was arguing with her parents. Yeah. Um. But it never felt like she like a hundred percent thought it was the right thing to do to tell the grandmother.
1: Yeah. It's essentially. I mean, it's that it's that ethical question of lying to someone. Yeah. But but you know like the the, the question here is that in the you know the doctor says to her in the uh, in the uh, office that it's a good lie. You know, it's not a bad lie. It's a lie that kind of helps. And 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 I think the interesting thing there that the film gets into is the relationship that, or uh, well, the conversation she has with her uncle. And her uncle says something like, "In in the in the West, you believe one's one's life belongs to oneself. Yeah. And in the East, your life belongs to everybody." and your family and yeah. your family and i think you know and that means you're all together in this no matter what and i think you know there's no you know like i i'm i'm a a, a a child of eastern origins raised in the western world so i have this sort of conflict in my family which is that i tend to believe that you know like individualism is more you know paramount everything anything to do with the family's needs and that has often brought me in conflict with my family um, you know severe conflict in some cases yeah. you know and um and I think this film kind of pointed that, that the thing that Billy's character is kind of dealing with is the sort of intrinsic question mark that's around that, which is that it is not, there is no one right or wrong answer, and she's not fighting against, you know, she's not going to try and drag her family into the, the sort of Western ideal of, you know, medical care. There's no, there's a presumption that, you know, like, ultimately, it's there's nothing they can do about this diagnosis. All they can do is decide how to respond to it. Um, and I think that's a fascinating, fascinating question. And in, the, in this film,
0: I never was thinking, is she going to decide to tell her grandmother? Right. I was always thinking, can she, because she agreed to go along with her family, can she emotionally handle and fake her way through this? Because her entire family of this movie was like... She's gonna figure it out because you're a horrible liar. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now, and and I will say I will say my initial reading as I was walking out of the theater was the sense that like uh, Billy Aquafina's performance in this was kind of one note in that she's constantly on teetering on the edge of breaking down in front of her family. Like that's the note that she's playing the whole way through the film. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, the thing that I walked away from when I thought about it more is it's not about breaking down within the family. It's it's under, it's coming to terms with the 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 sense of Intergenerational differences between her and her family. You know, the into the fact that she was raised in the West, and her family kind of came to America to kind of raise her. You know, like she has that really interesting conversation with the bell, the bellhop who's taking who's carrying her bags up the up the stairs. You know, like like which do you prefer, America or different. China? It's just different, and she's wrestling with that idea that it's just different. And and how do how do I come to terms with this idea that you know, like because I think part of her misses the life that she could have had if she was surrounded by family and if she grew up in China. Sure. You know, and, and I think, and I think that's what ultimately the interesting thing is, is that what she's wrestling with isn't necessarily just the, the notion that, you know, like she has to lie to her grandmother. It's that her grandmother is the last vestige of the link that she has to China. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, and, and, and so it's not just that, that her grandmother is dying. It's that when, 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 when that person dies, that's the last, you know, like full blooded expression of love that she has for, for China. You know, she's not as close with her uncle who's moved to Japan. Uh, you know, like her, she has an aunt who I believe lives in China, but you know, she's somewhat, helped to help the grandmother yeah, out. Yeah, you helps the grandmother out. So I think that's an interesting, I, I think the film, like, smartly kind of just subtly wrestles with that idea in really beautiful ways.
0: I want to bring up a sort of side thing about film craft that I'm hoping you can. Uh, Help me figure out why something is the case with this film for me.
1: I'll give it my best shot. Um, Putting on my hat right now. Yes.
0: Uh, So this is the first film that uh, is predominantly in a different language that I've watched in a very long time. in, In memory. Okay. Where I completely forgot that it was in a different language. Okay. Like, I'm always acutely aware of subtitles in my brain. I just, you know, because yeah. I'm reading it and it's a different part of actively engaging with the story, et cetera. And this time, I had to, like, go back while I was doing just sort of my notes for this episode. I was like, I was watching some interview and they're like, oh, well, like, 60 or 70% of it is, is spoken in Chinese. And I was yeah. like, no, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, and, and I was like, what? And then I'm like, oh, I guess. But, like, a lot of really pertinent line all of the lines in it like i i I know they they, like logically i know in my brain that they spoke chinese right i I don't like the emotional resonance or whatever of it and and and, uh, it just reads to me like it wasn't and i'm wondering if that is because uh, a strength of performance of lulu wang's direction of the you know i I i can't pinpoint and maybe it's not one thing but i'm normally very aware and this time I, like, had blinders to the fact that I had just read of a
1: film. <laughs> so, one... Well, I mean, I, I don't know... Uh, I, I, I couldn't pinpoint one single thing that I think um, the the film... That this film does in particular to kind of, you know, give you that sense of, like, not recognizing or not... Remembering. F- ...feeling the subtitle yeah. you know, or feeling that you're reading a film. Um, I, I think, you know... My, my thing um, is that I... I feel like you should never be scared of subtitles. Like, oh no, percent. No, 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 no not. But, and, and, and for the exact reason that you're saying, which is that some a lot of people are scared of subtitle films, and we don't get a lot of subtitle films in the movie theaters because of the very fact that you know, like marketers, you know, immediately yeah, determined yeah. that films that are subtitles are are difficult to program. You know, people don't like reading things. People want, you know, yada yada yada. Um, uh, but my experience of always watching subtitle films has been has always been that within the first couple of minutes i forget that i'm re- you know reading a film. Now i i think uh, you know one thing i i'm a fairly fast reader. Um you know so i think that helps a little bit and if you're not a fast reader that can hinder it. And one thing that this film maybe does is that the dialogue is sparse and and kind of spaced mm. out, you know, so you kind of get time to kind of live it. It's also a beautifully shot film where um the film is uh, it I, the the best way i could describe it it has these like observe it has this observational quality to it and i think the mo- the mo- you know the most you know beautiful examples that i can think of uh just you know coming off the top of my head were the the images of the bird you know okay. like like the bird that would kind of turn up in the house and that she would have to like flutter away and then eventually the bird turns into an image of her grandfather you know and and he's smoking at the window uh, and then and then we- turn to her, and she looks back, and we just see this sort of puff of smoke, like, floating out of the window. And it has this, like, beautiful observational quality, sit back at a distance. It's really... It's really great filmmaking, to be honest with you. It's very... Um, it's it's very confident. You know? Like, that's the, that's the way I would describe it. Like, I feel like when I direct something... I'm an anxious director, which is that I always feel like I gotta capture this part of the information, and then this insurance shot, and this uh, insurance shot, and then when you look at my edits, it's always like, oh, I'm I'm trying to like, I'm trying to point you exactly where you need to go. Right. And this film lives and breathes in like nicely paced, well executed wide frames because yeah, that lets you like sit and breathe in the world and like has that observational quality and it's something I always just. Personally, just admire in filmmaking. And and I t- wish I could do.
0: Yeah, and that, and that makes sense. I, I, it's just interesting because like both Burning and Long Day's Journey into Night uh, were the last two uh, mm-hmm. subtitled films I watched. Mm-hmm. And I was always, and, and it didn't take away mm. at all from it. But I was always acutely aware mm. that it was
1: being, that it was subtitled. The, the secondary thing is that is that the performances are warm and loving and like gentle. It and, feels yeah, it, and they're really easily readable. Just it on also the, yeah, you know, like the grandmother is so well cast. Here's what it is: <laughs> it's
0: obviously the the craft of the director mm. and the actors and yeah. etc. But and the cinematographer, uh, but uh, I think it is because. It's the most realistic, relatable like there on another level, I'm watching it and realizing like, yeah, this is life like i'm this is something that I could live whereas whereas granted, <laughs> things like burning and long day's journey and tonight like are possible <laughs> uh, but not as easily uh you know, you can't shed your disbelief that easily, like you know you're watching something slightly fantastical in right. a way, so I- this is like. This is true slice of life where I bought entirely, and I think, it, uh, it, and I think it comes from the personal experience of all the actors and the director as well. I, uh, L- Lulu Wang, this is about her grandmother, obviously. Yeah. Aquafina was raised by her grandmother, yep. uh, whom she's very close with. Who's been in some of her music videos. Also, uh, Lulu
1: Wang's grandmother, uh, great aunt, plays the great aunt really? in this film. So that's actually her great aunt who had to do who who had to tell. The grandmother. Oh, you know, to to decided to yeah. not tell the grandmother. So it's actually her.
0: Well, so now let's get into spoiler spoilers <laughs> yeah. because we're sort of getting there. Um. Uh, so that's what's happening here. Uh, fun story about this film. <laughs> Is even though this is a story that happened a little bit ago, uh, that Lulu Wang has told in podcast form and now in a major motion picture, uh, uh, Nene's still
1: alive, Nene's still alive in this film, and I, I can't think of a single moment like a post credit scene like that which generated so much joy in like the audience. Like, my audience was just so, yeah, ecstatic that she was still there. So, when they went to shoot this in
0: the actual hometown, in her actual grandmother's actual hometown, they first weren't going to, yeah, and then her grandmother who is still alive and this entire story is about her having a terminal illness was like well if you're gonna shoot in China you should shoot here like she doesn't know what the movie's about (laughs) the woman the woman we are talking about still doesn't know she is technically has terminal (laughs) cancer and I, yeah, that, I'm curious about that. And she doesn't. <laughs> I just read a thing like so. They so this is how they played it, from what I understand. <laughs> so, so the actual making of the film was that was was perpetu- perpetrating the
1: lie even further.
0: Exactly. That's so the amazing. crew, while they were even scouting, would like go up to the grandmother's uh, apartment and like use the restroom if they had to. They thought about maybe shooting actually in the apartment, but they're like that's a little too much. So like the entire crew now is in on this lie, <laughs> and. It, 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 and she still doesn't know. And, and she she went and visited, and hung out with her grandmother, and re-acclimated herself to the city, and like all oh, that jazz. Mm. And I'm reading this, I'm like, making a film is incredibly difficult. Yeah, yeah. But having to lie to mm. your grandmother, who is the subject, who of is them- the subject <laughs> of your film, adds another level <laughs> of nightmare producer complexity. Yeah, uh, that is absolutely fascinating.
1: Just make sure that all your crew, none of, no one in your crew can speak Chinese. Uh, yeah, like, well, no, no actually,
0: did... uh, I think uh, the the majority of the crew, <laughs> so that they couldn't the sleep. You know, what no, I no, mean? no. I know, but they <laughs> actually, they, there was that was a big thing. It was <laughs> a lot of them were Chinese.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and no, I think I think that's extraordinary. And and you know, the thing that I was talking about earlier, which was that the the film never kind of like dips into histrionics or like gets into like a big. Um, Culmination of events where people are arguing with each other or trying to like pull apart at this lie. You know, uh, when I watched it, it had that sort of sense of one noteness where we were kind of just playing the same note over and over and over again. But when we got to the end, we realized that she's still alive, and and that you know, like because because then I thought about it, I was like, there's no way you could dramatize this movie because ultimately, when you say this is a this is a film about the farewell of you know saying this uh, of meeting your grandmother and like telling her this lie. The in, in my writing brain, the 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 third act is about the death of the grandmother, right? Like it has to be. In, if you're if you're pitching this film, the I mean, first in a classic three act yeah, structure. Yeah, The first act is about the lie. The second act is about doing Can the they lie. Handle it. Yeah, and then the third act is about the death of the grandmother and what that actually means, right? I mean, that's kind of what I think. Of. But that's not what's happened in real life, and so to dramatize it would be the wrong thing to do. And then so when at the end of the film, when when we realized with that title card that she's still alive, um, you know, I was kind of like, I get it. I, I see why you did what you did, and I think it's it, I think it's a lovely. Thing that you've created here in memory, in memory of. Or not—not not even memory—in teasing out that idea of like the difference between east and west, and in this case, it actually meant something because she's still alive. She doesn't have cancer.
0: And also, I—I I do I want shes sorry. She has yeah, she has cancer. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to say too, though, I don't want to just make it so that this actual like after the movie ends, sort of extra scene of the actual grandmother is lovely, and you're 100% right. It had a great uh, emotional response in the theater. I think the film entirely works the way it is without that.
1: Yes, yeah, I think it could. Yeah,
0: um, I think I was feel like because say that didn't exist, right? And say you know the the end of the film. Uh, it, God, it's such a cool, it's such a cool thing. Um, mm-hmm. Billy goes back to America and there's a moment in the oh, film when I loved uh, the when thing. when they were in China and they the the grandmother was doing i guess some
1: um, some form of tai chi tai chi yeah, yeah. but it's just a lot of ha yeah ha and yeah. like it was
0: very fun like the in the in the beginning when they're doing it together outside mm. in the courtyard of the apartment building in China and then Aquafina is walking down the street in uh, Brooklyn or Queens and uh and she just does it in the street the same way her grandmother does and then it cut to Um, Uh, a tree in the yard and all the birds flying out in China and I'm literally like I'm getting Misty like Recounting that scene
1: to you. Because it's such a, again, it's that it's a beautiful visual enca- encapsulation of the idea of connecting the East to the West. You know, her life uh, from the East yeah. connects to her life in the West. And I, I just, you know, like, because the grandmother explains it as, like, you should do this because it restores your vitality, and it's you pushing yourself out in the world kind of thing. And then she does it, and it's like, we see the... The repercussion, you know, like <laughs> the butterfly effect. Yeah, the butterfly effect. You know, like a butterfly flaps its wing in in Brazil and it rains in Tokyo, something like that. Not and the that, Ashton Kutcher film. Yeah, not the butterfly <laughs> effect, but the Jurassic Park explanation. Um, yeah, no, I just I think that's a this is beautiful encapsulation of the idea that this film has been playing around with, which is that it's not just about this lie. It, it's it's about the relationship that Billy's character has to her homeland, and you know, like not to extrapolate it out even further. Or anything like that beyond the the parameters of the film but it, it did play in my mind in terms of like how does film reflect upon life we're sitting here in the week of you know a presidential tweet which told for american citizens to go back to where they came from and i you know and i thought a lot about that tweet as i was watching this movie because it because this movie is kind of playing with the complex relationship that people, you know, first generation, you know, Americans have with their homelands. And and you know, it is not it's it's sort of uh... Yeah, you know, again, I don't want to turn into a politics politics discussion, but you know, like I have been told many times, you know, to go back to where I came from in many different countries, both New Zealand and America, and and it it, it I'm always kind of whenever anyone says that, oh, it's it's inevitably driven by racism, so there's no question mark about that, despite what you might be reading, you know, hearing in in the main in. Uh, CNN or whatever, everyone's debating about whether this is racist or not.
0: I couldn't stand that. By the way, I yeah. got into some arguments with people about that. When yeah. like, because I was getting upset that news organizations weren't calling it racist. Yeah, like, no, you're a news organization. That's the definition of racism. I, here's, you, 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 you know, here's
1: my the, the Fox News. Anytime a pundit comes out and says, "Oh, it's not racist," first thing you should ask them is, "Go, would you say that to me?" And n- inevitably, they never would. Ah, just the first thing you should say is, "Like, okay, would you tell me to go back to where I came from?" You know, and no one would ever say that. And it, and, and the other question I asked him was like, would you let your child get away saying that to, another, to a person from uh, who was not born in America? Yeah. You never would. Yeah. And yet, anyway, regardless. Yeah. But but I think the interesting thing that this film kind of brought up for me in respect to that conversation is the complex relationship we have with our homeland, which is that we all come from some other place. And that other place represents kind of... um. Uh, the 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 ground rooting of where we what who we're made up of and it's not a it's not a case of like you can just go back to where you came from you know again the people who say that are inevitably racist um, but 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 we. We we should embrace the idea that we come from so many different places, and it's beautiful that we come from so many different places. And it's beautiful that Billy's character has had this opportunity to reconnect with her eastern, you know, with like her where her grandmother comes from, yeah. and that's what that's the the sort of the, the 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 summation of emotions that I think this film kind of plays with in a really lovely way. And it's and and the only way that kind of nuanced idea can come out is coming from a lived experience, which is what Lulu Wang has uh, by writing this film. It's it's about her experience. And that's not something that would, I, I think you could potentially tease out as easily if you were just writing this film about this sort of great lie. Um, so I think that, you know, this, it, it's, it's unfortunately timely uh, because of recent events. I mean, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah but but it, it happens to kind of touch upon in a really beautiful way without intending to uh, the sort of current sentiment we have in this country about, you know, immigration, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I, I, it's not... The film is obviously not directly commenting on politics no I'm but, just but, saying but, uh,
0: but you, you with the with the current climate that we live in you have to you you, you sort of like see something that is uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the showing a positive aspect of people's differences being this film yeah and cultures differences and then you have whatever we've devolved into <laughs> over okay. uh, here
1: there's another um, there's another episode of uh, I, I believe it was either radio lab or this American life but it was it was a beautiful story it, it uh, has brought me to tears many a time Um uh, I can't remember the episode it was in, but it was about a father who realizes that their child is autistic or has Asperger's syndrome and makes the conscious decision to to take their child out of um, public schooling. This happened in America, in the Bronx, um, and to take their child out of public school and to homeschool their child uh-huh. and does it because they never want their child to have the label of autism or Asperger's. And, and the child thrives. The child goes on to university, college, you know, because the child never has that label put upon them and never... Um, so never kind of self-doubts themselves or mm. feels like they're they're different from other kids or anything like that. And it's this wonderful sort of testament to the power to do what's necessary for the people we love. And sure. I think and I think, you know, in the case of it's a similar sort of situation here where it's like realizing that the potentially the loving thing to do is to is to allow Someone to have joy rather than the the sort of weight of uh, the expectation of death, uh, and I think you know I I, I don't know I don't know if, you know there's no there's no one one size fits all kind of scenario. You know, and I'm not advocating that if you're if someone has a serious illness for you to like lie about it. But I just I. The the film sort of touched on the possibility that there's more to one approach.
0: Yeah, and 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 in this case, it was a beautiful one. Agreed. Um, real quick, uh, I do want to sort of uh, we've been talking a lot about Aquafina. I do want to bring up some other some standouts yeah. in the film. I'm going to raise some, butcher some names. Yeah. Uh, first of all, the guy who plays the father, Sai uh, Sa- Ma, Saima,
1: who's been a television character actor He's for a long period of time.
0: Phenomenal. <laughs> I've I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. I just like when I saw him come up, I was like, oh, I know, like this. Will, he, he'll be he'll kill this. Also, the mother, Diana Lin. Uh, uh, yeah, play, yep.
1: playing, I mean, you know, like the the, the sort of uh, English language barrier to, to certain, you know, to Asian performers. I think this film doesn't shy away from like, you know, just the way she speaks. And, yeah. and I think I you know, was like, awesome. she finds a po- poetry within it.
0: And Shusen, Zha- uh, Shusen Zhao, uh, the uh, Nene. No, no, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it's just she's uh, delightful, right? I, I wanna, I'm actually gonna. <laughs> sorry, she doesn't even have an IMDb picture.
1: Uh, <laughs> is this the only film she's been in? I don't know. No, it, I, it I mean, might be. Her page is pretty blank. Yeah, it's the only film she's been in. Uh, and she, I just want to like go to her house and eat meat pies. You know, like I mean, <laughs> I, 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 you
0: know, you just she she has such a warmth to her and uh, an easy sort of um, uh, conversational tone and and, yeah. and and making you feel at ease and whatnot. And
1: I I loved like when she was like uh, I love to pat your cute little butt. Sure, you know, yeah. like I was just like it's that thing that like you do when the kid is like three and then she just keeps doing that. Nah, but nah. but when <laughs> when like uh,
0: Gian's uh, the character Gian uh, Diana Lin uh, has she has the most complex. She married into this family, right. In the in the in the film. Yeah. She has the most complex um relationship I'd say with Nene because because she doesn't think that she ever liked her. Like she goes into this little bit of thing, and like it's funny because she brings up stuff that is also true to family things. Nene didn't like coming to the states because then she's not in her element and not in control and can't be. But when here, she like holds court, and there's nothing wrong with that intrinsically, especially if you're a really good person. Yeah. Uh, Although I will say, you know, you could explore that side of things too. And when when you get people out of their comfort zone, you know, or Mm -hmm. let me rephrase: if people always refuse to like say come to you rather than you go to them, that could Mm -hmm. be an issue. That's not explored here, but I liked seeing the other side.
1: Well, I think the, the way it comes to a head for, um, for Jian's character is that um, Haiyan's alcoholism is kind of her responsibility, and I think there's, there's a slight undercurrent of Nene kind of blaming her for for that but then yeah. later on it's weird because it's that thing that parents do with their own ch- own children which is that you blame other people for their failings but yet you're still kind of coddle them like he she gives him yeah. alcohol oh
0: she has, they haven't seen the brothers haven't seen each other yes. in 15 years let him drink and yeah, it's yeah. like
1: ah. but then but then she kind of comments you know slyly about like oh he's you know he's not looking very good he's puffy is he drinking again kind of thing you know like yeah. it's that I think it's that conflict with relationships that daughters have with their mother-in-law
0: I go back to just feeling like and i guess this will sort of get into my final thoughts every character in this movie felt real
1: yeah and they I, felt like they had an inner life outside of it like the
0: film. and everything felt like it had a level of depth that like and a complexity that that real life has and uh it makes you ask some hard questions you watch some beautiful performances great directing the sound the the score is perfect um the songs are like haunting in the right spots and like lull, lulling in the other right spots um and 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 it makes you, again, going through the stuff, and I'm not going to get heavy before the end, but like you know, going through the stuff of dealing with, uh, I guess the the current dying of my nada, right? Yeah. Um. It it, it makes you sort of. Um, I really appreciated the film because it it made me think about the fact that there is no right way to die. Yeah. Uh. And by that I mean, you know, when you know, as a Westerner, hearing this, you're like, "What?" Mm. at at the beginning, and then you're like, "No, this makes a lot of sense." And it just, it, it it was a really nice Hmm. way to sort of see how the act of death, which we will all be given a big high five to at some point, yeah. uh, Uh. Uh. Will will inevitably happen. Uh, and <laughs> this is a bit of a side note. I was talking to my therapist, uh, and we we were talking about death and like, well, what's the best? What 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 do we think just for fun?
1: What the best death? Is uh, being eaten by a bear like uh, Brad Pitt? Oh movie. God, no, <laughs> no, that's Leonardo DiCaprio. No, yeah. no, there's a there's a movie uh, from uh, back in the day. I forgot the title. But Anthony Hopkins, Brad Pitt, and they always talk about what's a good death. And in the end, Anthony Hopkins gets mauled by a bear, and he says, "That was a good death." I, I said, <laughs> "I said my my optimal death
0: would be old, comfortable, and sudden."
1: Okay, old, comfortable, and sudden. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that those were my adjectives. Yeah. <laughs> I hmm I don't know what my what my uh good death would be. I guess uh Legends of the Fall by the way was the film. Oh. It was a uh, Edward's Wick film. Um uh hmm what would my good death be? I guess I like I guess as a parent. <laughs> this is funny because you know we're filling out wills and stuff. You know like I I have responsibilities now. My good death would be uh feeling that I haven't left any um uh, any loose ends for people behind
0: just grabbing someone's hand and be like finish
1: this script <laughs> yeah finish <laughs> complete it <laughs> yeah no no but like you know like know making sure say. making sure that like um that i haven't like left anyone in a bad situation sure. by passing suddenly so i feel i think right now that's where my head is at um Is 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 you know like yeah? Can we make can I make sure that um, I've tied up any loose ends before I before I get hit by a bus? I don't know. Um, Of course. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. No. So I I I just I think this is a lovely lovely film uh, that explores. A very small story. There, you know, hey, I, okay, like, just going back, there's one thing that really did confuse me in this film. Oh. One thing that actually stood out to me and I didn't understand, I was like, did I miss a beat here? No. So I know I was about to jump into my final thoughts, but I just want to go back on this one, <laughs> on this one part. <laughs> At the wedding... Sure. At the wedding, they're kind of doing uh, their speech, you know, like all the parents are doing their speeches. Yep. And then and then suddenly Aquafina, uh, Billy's character, runs out and says, I've got to take care of something. And she runs to the hospital and grabs the, and gets the medical report. Yeah. Then goes back and gets it, you know, um, photoshopped yep. and changed and, and brought back and what have you. I, I didn't understand why that was happening at that moment.
0: Oh, because, so, okay. Uh, and, and I was like, did, did I miss it? it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, all of a sudden one of nene's um like helpers in the house that sort of is there with
1: her um N- mr lee
0: no not mr lee oh the, what the other maid there's yeah, a maid at the yeah. beginning yeah uh uh they i they like uh someone needs her that maid to go get something for nene and they're looking for her very briefly it's like a throwaway line or something and then someone says oh where is nene and then uh either the grandmother or the grandmother's sister, I don't remember which one, was like, oh, I sent her to get... She's going to get the results because they come out today. Huh. So, Nene asked her to go get the results. Someone said that Nene asked her to get... Someone who uh, didn't, okay. like, know what was going on. Okay. And then that's when Aquafina's like, fuck. Yeah, and, yeah. like, runs out to go get... And that's why she catches her in the thing. So, there, that is set up. Okay.
1: You know, it was just... Yeah. A, it was the one thing where I was like... It was what? very fast. Be- because, ultimately, that's the scene that, like, feels like the the climax of the film but it's really and it ends it, in like a a, a a bodega kinko's yeah yeah and it, <laughs> and ultimately it's like it comes i felt like it came out of nowhere i i totally see that i could have missed that yeah. line um and i and and but the, you know like the the feeling of the film being one note is actually taken away by the feeling by the sense of what the film is actually trying to do yeah with that sort of undercurrent of like east longing for the place you came from. Yeah. And so that's why I love the film. Um I, I think it's a lovely debut. I think it's a it's a wonderful showcase. It's confidently made. Um and you know it was you know there was the lights came up in our theater and there were so many uh people who were <laughs> clearly thinking about their nine You know like they were yeah. thinking about their nine eyes and they were like Tears coming down, there were tears coming down my eyes. And, you know, again, my my grandparents have passed away, but I just thinking about my 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 mother and my mother in law mm-hmm. and my, my father and my father in law who become grandparents and their relationship to my son and I was just you know, I was thinking about hope you know, like what I wanted to do when I came out of this movie was make sure that that relationship was cultivated in the same way that this relationship in this film was. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, please go out and see The Farewell. I think it's totally worth your time. Hopefully by the time uh, this episode drops, it is expanded out uh, to more cities. Agreed. And this has been the only
0: podcast about the film The Farewell. What should we do right now? We should say goodbye. We should do our... What?
1: Farewells. Okay, never mind. That's,
0: wh- <laughs> that was that was real. I oh god, Shaheer, when you're you're not when you're not
1: saying farewell to the flow of the episode. Oh, where I, can folks find you? I'll fuck that all up. I'm swimming upstream without a paddle. My uh you people can find me at my website www.shirehead.com that's S H A H I R D A U D. Matt when pe- when you are not uh picking up what I'm putting down, probably because I haven't put it down in the right place, Uh, where can people find you?
0: You can find me picking up Shaheer's ripped oily shirts at madgagwkroll.com. Buttery Um, Buttery oily shirts. Or uh, Instagram, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z, on that's my Instagram, or PSN, or Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. Also, go check out the good works we are doing at Extra Credits. We're just releasing uh, a series on Magic the Gathering. We're working with Wizards of the Coast to teach people, uh, A, we have the first episode where we're like, why it's important to us growing up, both me and James Portnow, who's been on the show, and uh, and then that we're basically teaching you the basics and moving on to more advanced things of Magic the Gathering. So if you've ever been interested in uh, learning magic, it's a really fun way, and I teach you with my cat.
1: Learning real magic? Because I would like to do some. No, more magic. No, the
0: card game, Magic. Like card tricks. Okay, we're gonna go. Because uh, Shahir's never been. Uh, n- Shahir's always had friends. Uh, <laughs> Barely. So, uh, but thank you Not so much. Not a lot of
1: friends come out to my buttery to see my
0: buttery nips. Oh Jesus. <laughs> um, thank you for listening, despite the beginning of this episode <laughs> and the end. And uh, wh- you'll hear us next week, and that will be
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> like Farewell. It. Farewell. Nope. Goodbye. Zolf Weed is in something. self Weed is in? <laughs> Zolf Weed is in something. Zolf Weed is in, everybody. Good. Goodbye.